Welcome to our second episode of Fishy Talk. My name is Noarni. I'm Lynette. And I'm Bella. In this episode, we'll talk about membrane transport mechanism. So what is membrane transport mechanism? Well, membrane transport mechanism is about how particles move across membranes through different ways like simple diffusion, facilitated diffusion, osmosis, and active transport. The exchange of solutes or particles are important to maintain normal body functions. Yes, an example of a membrane barrier in this particular transport mechanism is the phospholipid bilayer. Really? Do tell more! Okay then, now, I want you to imagine a balloon. The inflated rubber part, which is the head, is polar and hydrophilic, meaning it faces the water. The string that holds the head, which is the tail, is nonpolar and hydrophobic, meaning it steers away from the water. Now, imagine two rows of balloons with their heads facing the outside while the tails are inside. This lipid bilayer acts as a barrier for selective passage of certain substances from a salt to another. I'm wondering, how would substances cross if there are barriers like these? Now, you see, membranes are semi-permeable and selective, where only certain materials are allowed to freely cross and some large particles like proteins and charged substances go through some channels. Yes, and here comes in the different transport mechanisms like passive and active transport. Passive transport is the simplest method and they are dependent on the size and type of gradient that they allow to pass through. Usually, uncharged substances can diffuse through the membrane. Under passive transport are diffusion and filtration. Diffusion has three types, namely simple diffusion, facilitated diffusion or the mediated transport, and osmosis. Simple diffusion is a molecular kinetic movement of molecules that doesn't bind with carrier proteins. It doesn't require ATP or energy and it is the only transport which is not carrier-mediated. This type of diffusion results in the movement of molecules from areas of higher to lower concentrations. Lipid-soluble molecules dissolve in the lipid bilayer and diffuse through it, while ions and molecules diffuse through membrane channels. Examples of these molecules would be oxygen, carbon dioxide, and lipids such as steroid hormones. Bella, can you please explain what facilitated diffusion is? Sure. So, facilitated diffusion is a carrier-mediated diffusion, which means they are required to have an interaction with a specific carrier protein. With this, equilibrium state is reached more rapidly than simple diffusion and it doesn't require energy. Substances are always moved from areas of higher to lower concentration. Some substances are too large to pass through membrane channels and too polar to dissolve in the lipid bilayer are transported through facilitated diffusion. For example, glucose moves by facilitated diffusion into muscle cells and fat cells. That was quite lengthy, but surely informative. Thank you for that explanation, Bella. Now, let's talk about osmosis. Osmosis is the spontaneous passage or diffusion of water or other solvents through a semi-permeable membrane that blocks the passage of dissolved substances like solutes. Oh, oh like if we put our notes and reviewers under our pillows before we sleep on them. Information will pass through the pillow, then to our skin, then to our brains? Hmm, I wish it was that simple. But no, I have a better and realistic example of osmosis. Say, when a sugar solution and water are separated by a semi-permeable membrane, like a sieve, the solution's large sugar molecules can't pass through the membrane into the water, but the small water molecules move through the membrane until equilibrium is established. Facts. Did you know that water will move through any membrane it can as long as it is moving to an area with a higher concentration? 
these areas are called hypertonic, and areas with lower concentrations are called hypotonic. So that's why osmosis is vital to life because of its function in maintaining equilibrium inside and outside of a cell, maintaining homeostasis. Wow! What a fact! Yeah, I don't know how our cells would maintain homeostasis if we don't have osmosis around. Can I interrupt your chit-chat? I need to tell you more about osmosis. Oops, sorry! Okay then. Okay, if a solution is separated from the pure solvent by a membrane that is permeable to the solvent but not as dilute, the solution will tend to become more dilute by absorbing solvent through the membrane. This process can be stopped by increasing the pressure on the solution by a specific amount, called osmotic pressure. Osmotic pressure is the pressure exerted by particles in solution, which provides a concentration gradient for the diffusion of water. It also opposes movement of water across the membrane. Allow me to explain further. The concentration is the quantity of solute present in a given quantity of solution, while gradient, coming from the word grade, describes the incline, slope, or degree of increase in some measure, such as temperature, pressure, or even color, that develops as one moves in time, position, or along some scale. Therefore, it's the difference in the concentration of a substance between two areas. Okay, moving on, there are three comparative terms used to describe osmotic pressures of solutions, namely hyperosmotic, hypoosmotic, and isosmotic solutions. The hyperosmotic solution has a greater concentration of solute, while the hypoosmotic solution has a lesser concentration, and the isosmotic solution has the same concentrations of solute particles. Next, we'll talk about tonicity. Bella, can you please explain what tonicity is? Yes, of course. Tonicity is a physiological term describing how cell volume changes if a cell is placed in a solution. It is always comparative and has no units. It depends not just on osmolarity but on the nature of solutes and permeability of a membrane. Now, there are three types of solutions, namely isotonic, hypertonic, and hypotonic solutions. In an isotonic solution, the cells have no changes because they neither shrink nor swell. In hypertonic solution, the cell shrinks, unlike in hypotonic solution, the cell swells or expands. Oh yeah! Our dear listeners, please do take note of the suffixes used, okay? In osmosis, we talked about isosmotic, hyperosmotic, and hypoosmotic solutions. In fortunicity, we have isotonic, hypertonic, and hypotonic solutions. Okay, we'll be moving forward to the second type of passive transport, which is filtration. Barney, can you please explain what filtration is? Yes! Filtration is the movement of water and solute molecules across the cell membrane due to hydrostatic pressure generated by the cardiovascular system. Depending on the size of the membrane pores, only solutes of a certain size may pass through it. Yep, the heart affects the rate of filtration by affecting the pressure of the blood through the blood vessels. So, that's it for passive transport. Next, we have Bella to talk about the active transport and its four types. The first type is the primary active transport, which are ATP-powered pumps that combine with substances and move them across the plasma membrane. ATP is required and substances can be moved from areas of lower to higher concentration. Substances that are too large to pass through channels and are too polar to dissolve in the lipid bilayer are transported here, and substances that are accumulated in concentrations higher on one side of the membrane than the other are also transported here. Examples are ions such as sodium, potassium, and calcium. Next is the secondary active transport. Here, ions are moved across the plasma membrane by active transport or ATP-powered pumps, which establishes an ion concentration gradient. ATP is also required and ions then diffuse back down their concentration gradient assisted by carrier proteins. An other ion or molecule moves with a diffusion ion or in the opposite direction. 
substances that are transported are some sugars, amino acids, and ions. For example, there is a concentration gradient for sodium ions into the intestinal epithelial cells. This concentration provides for the import of glucose. In many cells, hydrogen ions are moving in the opposite direction or the antiport of sodium ions. You've mentioned something about symport and antiport, right? What do they exactly mean? Well, when the transported molecule and co-transported ion move in the same direction, the process is called symport. When they move in opposite directions, the process is called antiport. Oh, okay, okay. I get it. Thanks. Oh, sure. After primary and secondary active transport, we now have the vesicular transport, which are endocytosis and exocytosis. Well, Arnie, can you please explain it to us? Sure. In endocytosis, the plasma membrane forms a vesicle around the substances to be transported, and the vesicle is taken into the cell. ATP is required, and in receptor-mediated endocytosis, specific substances are ingested. Under endocytosis are phagocytosis and pinocytosis. Phagocytosis takes in cells and solid particles, while pinocytosis takes in molecules and dissolves them in lipids. Examples are the immune system cells called phagocytes. They ingest bacteria and cellular debris, and most cells take in substances through pinocytosis. Meanwhile, in exocytosis, materials manufactured by the cell are packaged in secretory vesicles that fuse with the plasma membrane and release their contents to the acid of the cell. ATP is also required and proteins and other water-soluble molecules are transported out of the cell. Examples are the digestive enzymes, hormones, neurotransmitters, and glandular secretions which are transported and cell waste products are to be eliminated. Wow! The mechanisms of the membrane transport are really useful for our bodies to maintain homeostasis. Yep! Sadly, we have to end the discussion here for now. Well, there will be another episode next time anyway. Please look forward to our next episode of Fisho Talk.